Hello and welcome to the Vlogging Pod. Tonight we are joined by Jazz Monet Joy Riel. And I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> you have, you have. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. For everyone who wasn't here just a second ago, I asked. <laughs> So I'd, I'd love to start right off um, asking you about your profession. Would you like to tell the room um, what your profession is and what line you um, specialize in? Yeah, so I am a licensed psychologist um, and I specialize in complex trauma, uh, sex and eroticism with uh, individuals and couples and then just major life transitions. Um, and really got into that work initially through doing trauma work with high-risk occupations and really loved that, but then realized I was always missing part of the puzzle. And I was like, I really think, you know, I need to see like more to this person's story. It's not nearly complicated enough and got into doing couples work and with couples just kind of realized that so much wasn't discussed when it came mm -hmm. to sex and eroticism. Um, but also there's just a lot of shame around that topic. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it, it's been a really beautiful evolution to my work, <laughs> um, but it, it is so much fun. It's so like, it's, I know people say it's fulfilling, but like it really is like, helping people learn to normalize these discussions that are like necessary and that are really impactful to how they live right. is just something um i've really enjoyed doing i i can see where you would find a lot of enjoyment i i it probably makes you really reach deep into yourself and into who you're helping to really you know what i mean really be able to reach new levels of your um, expertise when you talked just a minute ago about um, this isn't in my questions, but because you said it, I'm just kind of piecing <laughs> off of that. Um, so I do that. So bear with me. <laughs> um, you said a lot of shame and stuff in that when you express your, um, maybe your desires and eroticism and stuff. And I, I fully understand it because I've been married, let's see, 31 years. And I've. Well, thank you. Thank you. But I got married at 19. So that kind of puts that out there. Um, so, but I even find it hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm going to be 51 this year. So I've gotten to a little bit, I'm a little more vocal than I was in my twenties, but do you think it pulls back from the intimacy and the moment when you have to tell someone what you want? You know what I mean? Do you feel like, do you know, am I making sense on that kind of direction? I, I'm, I understand, but I think that's exactly part of what we've incorrectly learned is mm -hmm. like, that's exactly what we need to do is tell people yeah. what we want. Um, yeah. That part of creating consent and really fulfilling desire is that I have to one, know, right? I have to be aware, embody and know my desire, but mm -hmm. then really inviting my partner into helping fulfill that desire um, and realizing that it's unlikely to be their desire as well, right? That there's, there's something that goes really beautifully with, with 
with sex and eroticism mm-hmm. and desire is like that there's also autonomy. So so what I love and what I want is is likely not the same as what you love and you want. And where that communication really blossoms is that we no longer miss each other and no longer assume and then no longer feel disappointed or let down or embarrassed or pressured or judged. Mm-hmm. But instead, we really feel supported and we get to collaborate and we get to have independence from what you want and what I want, right? right. We start to play right. and create together. Right. I'm going to backstep just a minute because I, I, like I said, I went ahead a little bit just based on what you were saying. <laughs> of course, so, go for it. I got to follow my questions go. here. <laughs> <laughs> I got to follow my question line here. <laughs> So what directed your path down this field? So I think initially I, I, I jumped in psychology, which I think a lot of people do, which is like, all right, there, there's gotta be something that makes sense of all right. the shit I've gone through. Um, that in some ways I had this really beautiful story where my parents both came from super humble means and and i really think kind of were like the poster for like pull yourself up by your bootstraps like both of my parents did that mm-hmm. um however while it was like perf like picture perfect on the outside there was a lot of <laughs> imperfections on the inside um that caused i think a lot of wounds for everyone um mm-hmm and eventually resulted in my parents getting a divorce after nearly 30 years. So that, that tells you, like, I mean, they put a value and effort in, but it destroyed their relationship in the end. Um, and I think it left a lot of wounds with me, a lot of wounds with my brother. And so initially I just wanted to figure myself out. Um, and I love patterns and puzzles. And I, I got to the end of my undergrad and it was like, I think it was 2021, right on the cusp. And it was like, oh, my life is a shit show. Nobody Uh. should take advice from me. Nobody should (laughs) follow any, like, you know, anything I have to say. And I think that was a blessing in disguise. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people end up going to grad school straight out of undergrad and you're just missing wisdom. Like you can learn a lot from a book, but you cannot gain wisdom from a book. Mm. You can gain knowledge, um, but not wisdom. And so, I kind of intuitively knew like I'm still trying to get my life together. And so I took a little bit of an offbeaten path. Um, I, I thought I was going to go to law school and I had a mm-hmm. girlfriend who was there who was like, don't do it. I know you, you will hate it. Um, and I just had the good fortune to listen to her that I valued her opinion. Um, and I think at the, at the same time I was starting to recognize and call bullshit on this world of like white collar and blue collar work. And that there was something that was missing in what I was taught about careers. Um, I was I was in the service industry, and then I had gone into sales, and I hated sales. You know, even though that was the quote unquote professional job, right? That you get after you graduate. And I loved like waiting tables and bartending, um, and so I ended up back doing that, and and was like, what about this? And and kind of was like, you know, it's dynamic. I get to be who I want to be. And, 
you know, and I started to pick up these pieces and I was like, but I also don't want to give up my nights and weekends forever and was watching Tabitha Salon Takeover. It, used to, it was a show that used to come on Bravo. And that inspired me to become a hairstylist. And, <laughs> uh, so it's a very far off the beaten path, uh, but, but also not, right? Like mm -hmm. that I was still working with, you know, people and learning their stories and, and building well, yeah. relationships. If you think about it, you you just had two careers where you've listened to people's stories, a bartender and a hairdresser. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and, yeah. And, and I think also just learning to have more confidence in listening to myself, right? To, mm -hmm. to go down those paths, I had to learn to listen to my true north rather than the true north that was prescribed to me. And right. so I, I love doing those. You know, I was also on my own healing journey. And eventually, you know, as I, you know, I was married for a bit and, and had my son and as I came back was finally like, you know, I think I'm ready, uh, that I had, it'd been seven years and was finally ready to like, you know, I think I'm in a place where I know who I am and I, I feel really grounded in my identity. And now I feel like I could offer something of value to others. And that eventually led me back to school. And so went to school. And like I said, I, I don't come from, from, from like easy, an easy life path. Mm -hmm. And so I think I just have always kind of felt really good and comfortable in spaces that I think probably scare most other people away. I'm like, oh, this is the playground I know. And, and that was in trauma initially. And I really, it, I love the work and mm -hmm. I, I typically go towards places that feel really, really challenging where people always say are hopeless. Those are often the spaces where I'm like, mm, let's see about that. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it fit, you know, that I think I have really thick skin given my life story and given some of the things I've gone through. Um, I was in a really abusive marriage, you know, um, I grew up as a military brat. So, you know, moved around every couple of years. So having to pick up and restart my life over, um, you know, I was, I was in high school when, you know, a lot of the war and stuff was happening. And so watching family members get deployed and, and just, just a lot of different things that looking back on it now made me uniquely qualified to, to create space for those who mm -hmm. needed it and to not balk and not to feel discomfort that I think sometimes you can when you hear stories that, that are really, really complex and really, really, you know, heartbreaking <laughs> and gut wrenching, but I could, I could sit in there with them. And so, so that's, that's really what got me started. And like I said, I think as I just evolved, I really loved the system. I really loved working mm -hmm. with couples and that really got me into, you know, the start of, of, of working with sex because that also just felt like, well, this is a piece that's missing and this is a piece mm -hmm. that nobody wants to talk about. So right. <laughs> like always where people say no, I'm typically like, we'll see. <laughs> Right. So you yeah. started out basically wanting to help yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And then as you got deeper into it, you really had a passion to working with couples. So that led right into um, doing more of the sex therapy in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think not even just just that it helps couples, but it's a place that we we don't get great education. We don't get a lot of exposure. Um, and even within couples therapy, there are so many couples therapists that are really, really squicked out by getting into conversations surrounding sex and eroticism and kink and different relationship structures. And it ends up isolating and excluding so many people who want to feel connected, who want to be fulfilled, but don't really know how do I talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. How how do I get through this space where every time my partner comes to touch me, I start to cringe, right? Mm-hmm. But somehow I know that that doesn't feel right. Or I want to say, I want to try this new thing, but I'm so afraid that you're going to judge me or look at me. Or I don't really love what you're doing to my body right now, but I'm paralyzed and I don't know why I'm paralyzed and why I can't tell you no, even though we're in a consensual relationship. Mm. And those are spaces where to me, it's like, you have to be able to talk about sex. And the benefit of being able to do that, I found in this work, was when you found your voice here, Mm -hmm. you started to find your voice everywhere. That sex is so raw and so just stripped down that if I learn how to create consent and I learn how to embody my boundaries, I learn how to speak up for the things that I want and need in the bedroom, right? For my Mm -hmm. own pleasure, for what I want and need to feel fulfilled. I can take all of those tools into every part of my life. And that was just like, wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> who wouldn't <laughs> actually i'm I'm actually learning as we're talking um in my own life i have had time in therapy um not for uh, a sexual issue not at that time but i have been in my life because like i said i am in my 50s now i have been assaulted a few times and it mm-hmm. has and i But in all honesty, if you ask majority of women, there are going to be times in every woman's life that they have been put in a position, you know what I mean, like sexual advances or what, or where they've had awkward conditions where they've had to move out. So I find myself, even though I've been with my husband and we have a loving relationship, don't get me wrong, we have our squabbles, but (laughs) (laughs) um, I won't lie to you and say that it's roses over here, but for the most part, we have a healthy relationship, but I still find I'm not as sexual as my husband. Um, and I know that's not, that's not every woman's scenario, but for me, I have a, I guess you would say hangups on it. Not so much that I don't want certain things. It's just after I've already reached where I needed to go in the moment, I don't want to play anymore. So, (laughs) (laughs) and that's about the nicest way as I can say that. Um, And I don't know if it's because of my hangups. I do know um, when I was reading some of your bios and stuff about, um, you have a phrase in your bio about um, some of us being taught that to wait until we were married 
and that was my case. But again, you can't judge me too greatly on that because I was 19. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah. yeah. And I grew up with, yeah. And I grew up with very strict parents. So, um, yeah, I, I would kind of say, and actually my husband just entered the room. <laughs> Hello. This should be a whole good conversation. <clears throat> anyway, so I find myself um, uninhibited, I guess, at times. I'm not as open with what I want. Yeah. And so as you're talking, it really is interesting to me to listen because I'm trying to grow here even at 50 because <laughs> you're never too old to that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're always <clears throat> learning and growing. And and I think that's part of it, right? Like if, if I can't freely ask for what I want, why would I want to engage in it at all? <laughs> like, right. you know, I, I had a conversation on, a, on another interview I did and I was like, you know, if, if the only thing you could get was McDonald's, like, yeah, you'll go there if you're hungry, but it's not the same if you can go and get like, you know, a steak or, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're a pescatarian to go get like, you know, some, I don't know, sea bass or something like, you know, that's something I'm like, oh, man, you're offering me that. Absolutely. Sign me up. But if it's like, I'm glad, okay. I'm glad you mentioned the sea bass because I don't eat red meat. My husband does, but I don't. You know, but exactly that, right? Like we have different, yeah. different desires. Yes. Um, very different. Yes. So let me, let me, let me broach a phrase to you that's in your bio. Um, don't be afraid to fire your therapist. Can you tell me what that means to you? That simply means that therapy is a language. And mm -hmm. I think one of the harms in thinking that any therapist can work with any client is it sets a client up to feel really disempowered mm -hmm. and to distrust their intuitive knowing of whether this is a person they can do the work that they really need to do. Mm -hmm. um, when I say don't be afraid to fire your therapist is there are different styles of therapy. There are different um, perspectives and lenses, right? Like as a therapist, I don't just come in with my skills. I come in with my entire history. I come with my ability to navigate, you know, my own traumas, wounds, hurts with yours. And this is every therapist, any therapist that tells you, nope, it doesn't come into the room. That's, that just tells me that you're disembodied, right? As a therapist, like therapy is, is interpersonal work, which means it impacts me and it impacts you. And we see this in a lot of different ways. Um, and research has supported over and over again that the gold standard of therapy is evidence, right? Um, evidence-based work, clinical expertise, so my judgment as a therapist, and then the therapeutic alliance or relationship. You need all three of those really to see effective and impactful change, right? And mm -hmm. when, you, when a person goes into therapy and they think, I just have to sit here and this person's the expert, they know what's best, then what happens when they're not seeing the results and they're not opening up and they're not, there's not a desire to open up 
is you can really start being like, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm broken. And I just don't believe that. And, and I say that as a person who's sat on the other side of the couch. And I remember there was this therapist I was working with and I was like, I don't feel safe with her. And I, like, I was working with her for like five months. And I was like at the point where I was like, I wonder if I could say my cat died so I can avoid <laughs> going to therapy. Um, and, and, yeah. and I was, and I just had, again, I was fortunate enough to be on a really great supervision. And my supervisor was like, why don't you just stop going? Yeah. And it was so profound, that statement of like, why don't you just stop? And I was like, because I want to go to therapy. Like, I want to feel better. I want to improve. I want these gains. And it's like, so if I stop going, then I'm quitting on myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it was this process like, well, there are other therapists out there. And I was like, huh, <laughs> I guess huh. there are. And, and it, it like was like, and here I am, I was, this is like when I was in my master's, right? So this was a mm -hmm. while back. But here I am in a program, you know, and it had never occurred to me that it may simply be that it wasn't a good fit that maybe it wasn't her, right? That it wasn't that she lacked skills, but maybe mm -hmm. it also wasn't me, that I was being resistant or that I wasn't trying or I wasn't using the tools or I wasn't dot, 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 fill in the blank, but maybe we were just simply not a good match. And the amazing thing that happened was when I stopped going to that therapist, I really started thinking about what is the therapist I need, like who is the therapist I need to do the work that I really want and need to do. I found a therapist that spoke my language and it was such a better, smoother process towards healing. Like that therapist could challenge me and could push me and I would open, right? And I would receive because for once, it wasn't me distrusting myself, but like there had been this space where it's like, you are the person I can do this work with. And, and, and it was, when I say it is, it is a complete 180, like you need to find a therapist who works for you. Like I stand by that. When I say, don't be afraid to fire your therapist, you could fire me. Right. And I tell my clients that I'm like, if I am not the right fit, this work is not about me. It is not about my ego. It is not about, you know, my status or, or my title. Like this work is about you. And that is the first place where you get to feel empowered is you are choosing me, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. I, I can relate to that. When I, like I said, I did therapy. <clears throat> some years ago I had an eating disorder and I did it for two years until my insurance was fighting me on it but I it took me like I think I went through three or four therapists before I found one that was the right fit and and in just example I had one that wanted me to go to a nutritionist but the last one I ended up being with she said I'm not even going to bother trying to send you to a nutritionist because as much as you've been doing this you already know the calories and everything that's in the food you know, that I bring that up only is because it was a vast difference in someone that 
understood that I wrote it all down and, you know, into diaries upon diaries of it. So I, I get what you're saying. I really do. Yeah. And it helped me immensely. It, it <clears> sometimes. It, yeah. Sometimes it just takes a while to find the right one, but, and I love hearing that you say that you, that you can fire because there's so much pressure, like, oh, do I have to stay here, you know, or maybe I have to hear what she's saying to be able to heal or be able to move on. So it's very, it's very refreshing to hear you say that. Yeah, I, I think it's like, you know, even if, right, I, I think they're like, even if there's that could be the right therapist, it doesn't even always mean the right season. And I think just starting that way, <laughs> Mm -hmm. just gives you a chance to breathe. Like coming to therapy is really fucking hard. It is like, <laughs> oh, fucking yes, hard. And, and, and so just getting the door is a feat in itself. Mm -hmm. And, and when you put all of that to like, oh my gosh, here, I'm going to bear my soul to this person. Like the last thing like you need to do is then feel like you failed at this thing that took so much work to do right versus okay i did this and let me do the next part of trusting myself that maybe this isn't the right one right. and i can i can feel like all right like i'm still on this process i'm still i still have the momentum i'm still going forward right and 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 rather than well i might as well just give up you know what this one didn't work and that means that I am just a lost cause. And, you know, like, that's it. That, that's, that's what I got. So is there a defining process to finding your own sexuality and freedom of displaying it? Or does it differ from person to person? Finding your own sexuality in what? In, in the freedom of displaying it. Finding your own sexuality and the freedom to be able to display it. Does that vary between person to person or is there a, a pattern which you would go through to break down that? Oh, I think it's definitely contextualized. I think everything, <laughs> everything <laughs> is, is that context matters. Um, and so, you know, depending on how you came into your sexuality or how you're coming into your sexuality changes like I think significantly how that's going to then be embodied, right? Whether it's in the therapeutic space, whether that's in your life, um, you know, we have different, are different like sort of like margins, right? Like if you think of a, you know, it's not like a hard line, but like a margin of space in which this feels comfortable for us and this feels really outside of, of who we are. And, and so I think that part is pretty, you know, typical of people that everyone has a margin, but getting mm -hmm. to that margin and what that margin looks like is very, very nuanced, you know? And I think for me, when I, in the way that I do work, it's, I'm not trying to push you outside of your margin. I'm not trying to push you to be okay with anything and everything. Like I definitely have things that I'm uncomfortable with from a personal level. Right. But what I do want to encourage you is to figure out what your margin is. Like, what does it look like? How wide is it? You know, what is the best way to approach it, especially in partnered, you know, um, exploration and, 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 and sexuality? Like, is 
how do I say, right, when I'm getting close to that boundary, like this is a boundary versus, oh, maybe I just need time to settle in or I want to explore, but I need to go at a different pace, right? And so that is the work I really love is like, how do we discover what your bat, what your margin is, what it looks like, how wide it is, and then how you want to communicate that in a way that feels really empowering. Right. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> so uh, I know we went past just a little bit, <laughs> our 20 minutes, but would you mind me asking you just one more question? Absolutely, right? go for it. I'm, uh, I'm here. Awesome. <laughs> okay, awesome. I so actually shut my timer off because I didn't want it to buzz when we got down to the last two minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to freak her out. I really don't. Um, so discovering your freedom to choose, how hard would you say that is becoming reality for us all? Would you say as we drift town this day and age that it's becoming easier or do you think it's becoming harder to be able to break those boundaries? I think when I think about that, that phrase, the freedom to choose and how hard it is, Mm -hmm. I think the difficulty lies in <clears throat> our ability to know ourselves, mm. right? The freedom to choose when I really know who I am and I know my needs and I'm self-aware and I'm fully embodied, that becomes easier and easier because not only do I have that power to choose, right? And I'm and I'm mm -hmm. comfortable and I can own it and 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 fully take advantage of it. But now I have so many options to choose from. Right? I'm not stuck um like in a place where there's there's a lack of resources or there's a lack of of touch points, you know, or 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 people who could be part of my tribe community who could see me who could understand me who could hear me who could validate me right like there's so much more access to that but i think the difficulty and the challenge with that is is that more and more of us struggle with knowing who we are like who what do I really want and need? That there's so much noise. I talk about your true north. And to me, that's like your deep knowing, that intuitive self that says, go left, go right. Don't go to law school. Become a hairstylist. <laughs> right? Like yeah. that, mm. that is muted for so many people in this world. That it's, I saw this, I was told this, my parents said this, this is my lineage, you know, I'm afraid to do this. And when it gets down to, but like, what does your true north say? Mm -hmm. People are like, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard my own voice. <clears throat> right. I, I can get that. I mean, it took me, I've. I've written about 12 books and it took me, oh, let's see. I had to be, <clears throat> what, late 40s? <laughs> so <laughs> I, 
I feel you. I really do. And I've had those jobs too. I've worked at convenience stores and I've done the um, manual labor and I've worked in an office. So I fully understand what you're talking about as far as finding your true north. I want to thank you so much for being on. In fact, if you ever want to come back, my door is always open. We'll set a platform for you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is yes. fun. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Because like I said, if there's ever anything that you want to have, like a main discussion on any particular point um, of your profession, I would, like I said, open door. You're more than welcome to come back. Contact me anytime. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on for this. Well, thank you for being here. So for my listeners, I know everyone seems to like these. I get a lot of comments on this. Our Amazon deal of the day because we're entering the holidays and I do my best to try to find these guys. I really, really do. Um, so today's Amazon deal is a Keurig K-Slim single serve K-Cup pod coffee maker, multi-stream technology. This one's white, but they all have them in all various colors. It is now 38% off from the $129.99, leaving us at $79.99. I will make sure the link is in the bio for anyone who's interested. I want to thank our listeners, as always. Until next time, bye-bye for now.